Well, good morning, and as already has been said, Happy New Year. Glad to, uh, glad to see you, glad to begin uh, another year with you at uh, Cornerstone. Uh, glad to see some faces in the crowd this morning that we hadn't seen in a while, and uh, glad that all of you are here. If you have your Bible, open to Luke chapter 10, that's where we'll be this morning, Luke chapter 10. And I am going to do my best to get through this sermon. Uh, Bethany has uh, been very sick, and she is a generous person. And uh, I felt er good earlier, but the last 30 minutes or so, I feel like I've kind of been going like on a nosedive. So uh, just uh, know that uh, hopefully I'll have a voice by the time I get through. But I've got my water. I've got a mint. I've got a backup in my pocket, so <laughs> I've, uh, I'm, I'm taking the necessary precautions to get, uh, to get through this today. But uh, we are, um, we're, we're getting ready to begin, not ready, we are, we're beginning a new series today in the Gospel of Luke. And as I read through the Gospels, Luke is always, has always been uh, my favorite. Uh, Luke is the, the Gospel of, uh, of detail the gospel to the outsiders, it's the gospel uh, of, of women, because you see him incorporate all of these different people that some appear in the other gospels, but they feature more prominently in the gospel of Luke, and as we go through this series, it also is going to help inform us as we think about our theme that we're going to introduce on, on January the 28th. But it's going to have something to do with the idea of neighboring, with the idea of community and loving others better than ourselves. And I thought, you know, I'd, you know, it'd be easy just to start back at the beginning of Luke, but I want to start in Luke chapter 10 and use that as the text that kind of sets the tone for us throughout this year because it's in this chapter, in this conversation that Jesus has with a, with a lawyer, somebody who, who studied the Word, that you see these ideas of loving God, of loving people, of, of loving neighbor. And, and Jesus is going to be asked about neighbors, and he's going to offer an explanation that is not exactly what this guy was, was looking for, but it's also going to give us kind of a track to run on throughout the year as we think about, think about some of these things. So I'm really excited uh, about that as we piece them together. And we're, we're, we're looking toward the 28th of January. And so as Tim mentioned earlier, please mark that on your calendar. Please be here on the 28th of January as we uh, unveil our, our new theme, as we talk about some different things. Because what we, one of the things we want to do this year is we want to spend more time around tables together this year. Have you noticed how awesome that is when we do that? That was one of the things that, that, that Tommy has mentioned several times throughout our, our, our meetings over the last month, that he would like to see us around some tables together more. And so we're going to do that, and that's going to take place more in here as a body, but we're also going to encourage that in our own homes, that we want you to spend time at your table and use your kitchen table as a place of fellowship as a place of, of sanctuary, a place of gathering, a place of encouragement, 
And we want you to, as we think about neighboring, invite neighbors to join you around your table. Because I think it's around a table. Uh, you know, and there's some, there's some theology around this, this idea of, of sitting down to a meal together, of, of talking and, and sharing life. And as I think Tim mentioned earlier, we, you know, our, our life moves at a fast pace, does it not? I mean, it moves at a really fast pace. Today's January 7th, but we'll blink and we'll be saying, man, can you believe it's the end of 2018? You know, that's, that's, that's how that goes. 2017 is the fastest year I can remember, and yet it had the same amount of days as every other year. But for some reason, it just seemed to move faster as time tends to do that, as we just get busier and busier and more distracted and pulled in different ways. What we want to encourage us as a body to do is to spend more time in table fellowship this year. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going, to, uh, we're going to give you some things that will help you uh, along the way as, uh, as we do this, as we talk about uh, that sacred space of the table and sharing life and, and hospitality. And so this year, too, uh, I want to I challenge you to commit to three things. Three things. They all start with the letter C so that you'll remember this. This will be the cornerstone commitments. And I'm going to say more about this on the 28th, but I want to give you these really quickly. I was just sort of just spitballing about this, actually with Bethany, one day, a uh, month, month and a half ago, as I was thinking about our theme and where we wanted to go, and I just threw things out, uh, and just this, you know, I, you know, commit to the sea kind of just kept coming to mind. And what is the sea? What's well, the cornerstone commitment? And those, there's three things that make up that. One is we're asking everybody to commit to Christ. Okay, now that one sounds pretty simple, right? But it's more than just, okay, yeah, I love Jesus. When we say commit to the sea, we're talking about our own personal spiritual formation. Spending time reading Scripture. Uh, and not just when you come to church, but we want to encourage you to spend time in the Word every day. We also want to encourage you to spend time praying. One of the things that Jeffrey has been, been high on lately is the idea of us praying together as a as a body and so we're going to provide some resources that are going to help us do this and and to make these commitments as a matter of fact beginning on uh, January uh, well it'll, I guess it'll be January 29th we're going to spend 21 days together in prayer and you will have a prayer guide every day it's not real long it'll take you it might take 10 minutes, but you'll probably be able to do it in less time as you kind of think about it. It's going to help us pray together. And you'll be reading some things uh, about prayer that I've talked to you about before, like breath prayers. Remember those where you, uh, you, you sort of exhale the anxiety, the stress that you have, and you breathe in the goodness of God and His love. Exhale everything that's bothering you. Bring in God's grace and mercy. And so there'll be some breathing prayer exercises. There'll be something called Lectio Divina, which you've heard me talk about before. And that's just simply a divine reading of, of Scripture. But Jeffrey has expressed that, that that's something that he would really like us to, to focus on. And Tommy is saying we want to focus on table fellowship together, being together. And so I, I appreciate that, that your shepherds, that my shepherds are, are setting this tone for us. Okay, and so this is what we want to commit to. So 
We want to commit to Christ. That means more than just I love Jesus, but that means we're committing to spiritual formation through Christ, through the Word, through the prayer. The second is this. This is a word I've been using a lot lately, and you've been hearing a lot, is community. We want to ask you to commit to community. Now, we've talked about this a lot, and we really saw a beautiful example of this on Wednesday nights of community. Okay? We are a community, are we not? And, and this community, albeit small, this community loves each other deeply, right? And Wednesday night, we got to see just a really powerful um, just display of community, of affection for the, the Swearingen family and, and just to, to be able to, to minister them in a, in a very powerful way. And so we're asking that you commit to community within the life of the church because this is our community, right? But more than that, we can't just be inwardly focused. We have to be outwardly focused too. And so we want to commit to loving our communities that surround us, okay? Loving, you know, and, and I, I, I think about these neighborhoods that just surround us in this sort of immediate area and thinking about ways that maybe we can show our love for them, okay? Uh, think about the community, the part of the community that you live in. You know, how can you, as a representative of Christ, as a representative of Cornerstone, how can you love that part of the community in, in, in the way that God has called us to? So that's the second commitment. The first is Christ, the second is community, and the third is this, we want you to commit to celebrating celebrating what God has done through worship, through fellowship, and through presence. You know, and this is our, this is our gathering, uh, our, our, primarily our, our Sunday morning gathering. Worship is not about us, right? It's, I mean, you don't come to worship me. I hope you don't, you know. My wife doesn't even worship me, you know. I mean, if anybody could, right, you know, but she doesn't. We come to worship God. We come to worship Jesus. We come to say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. Okay? Uh, we come to, uh, to build one another up. Okay? And so we're asking you to commit to, to, to celebrating that with us together. Celebrating what God has done in your life. You know, we, we've got to do that this morning. Okay? We're celebrating what is going on in the Swearingen family's life. And it's still a long, very long road for them. But today, we get to celebrate. Okay? Uh, and, and so that's what we do. We celebrate through worship. We celebrate through fellowship, spending time together in here. Uh, you know, and I don't know that I've ever told you this, but when I first came here uh, almost nine years ago, it seemed like at the end of worship, People were quick to get out the door. Um, that has changed to where that's not a thing. You know, as, as a matter of fact, we often have to kick you out of here. Uh, you know, and I, I know Jeffrey has turned the lights out on you on Wednesday nights before. I've done it. Tommy's done it. You know, uh, you know we've, I've made the statement, you know, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. You know, and then a lot of times I've seen... I've seen these two back here in this corner over here stand in the parking lot till like 4 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon talking. Janet Owens, I'm talking to you. You and your buddy right there next to you. 
Okay, I mean, I've, I've just seen that, that take place, seen them talking in the parking lot. I've seen crowds gather, and I love that about this church, okay? Uh, we, we fellowship together. And then this last word, presence, it's, it's being aware of God's presence in worship. But it's more than that, and, and, and really there should be another word here. Present should be another word. And I, I don't mean just physically in attendance, but I mean when we are gathered together as a body, we are present with one another. Well, that's a valuable commodity today, is it not? To, be, to have somebody be present before you. You know, if we can be present with one another and if we can be present before God, uh, I just feel like these things will help us. So that's the things that we're going to ask you to commit to this year. Commit to Christ. Commit to community. Commit to celebrating. And I'll be sure and post this uh, later today uh, if I'm not, you know, knocked out on NyQuil. Uh, I'll get it, if not, I'll get it tomorrow or sometime in the next few days. If it doesn't show up, remind me uh, that I've forgotten to post it. But I'll get this out so that you've got a copy of it. I've seen several of you writing it down already. But those are the commitments that we're asking for. Uh, I don't think it's too much to ask to commit to, um, but I think that if we can commit to these things, this will, uh, this is, it's going to benefit all of us as a body. Sound good? Good. Well, that's what we want to, that's what we want to talk about. That's what we'll be talking about more as we move through the year, especially as we get to uh, January 28th. Well, so now I want to move to our text, which is in, in Luke chapter 10. I want to invite Hunter to, to uh, join me on the stage. And uh, Hunter, just uh, if, you, if you don't know, Hunter is a, a senior. He's getting ready to graduate in just a few months. Uh, he's, uh, he's been accepted at, by Faulkner University. He's been accepted by Lipscomb University. Uh, I'm only a little bit partial uh, to one of those, um, I, although now let me say I've attended both of those, uh, but I'm more partial to one of them than the other, um, so he's got a big decision that he's got to make coming up in uh, the next few days, let's get a different mic for you, let's get your mic, get, uh, get Kendall's mic for right now, or now give him mine right there, so we don't have to do a switch later on, but uh, He's getting ready to, to, to make this decision, this, this very big decision about where he is going to go to school. And uh, for a long time, uh, Hunter's call has been to, uh, to ministry. I mean, for a long time. Uh, as a matter of fact, years ago, um, when I was doing youth ministry, uh, this is, I mean, this is, you know, early 2000s, he would tell me that one day I would work for him that he'd be the preacher and I'd be the youth minister and he'd be my boss. Uh, and I tried to tell him it didn't work that way and he assured me that it did, uh, or at least that it would one day. Uh, and now he's sort of moving to where he's going to be taking those steps and so we'll just see. Maybe he will be my boss one day. Uh, we'll see. Uh, and if you do, I've got some things lined up for you to let you know how you were as a little guy. Uh, but uh, I'm really proud of Hunter because, you know, he's, he's wanted to go into ministry for a long time. He's felt like God has laid that on his heart. Uh, he does get to speak a pretty good bit uh, at various things, youth events and stuff like that. And so uh, he and I went to Atlanta yesterday 
Uh, we were riding back, and I just turned to him. I said, hey, you know, I'm going to preach from Luke chapter 10 tomorrow. You want to help me? He's like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And so, uh, so we're going um, to read this conversation between Jesus and this lawyer. And I'm going to read the narrator, and I'm going to read uh, the lawyer's part. And then Hunter is going to read Jesus' response. And we'll stop and uh, have some conversation uh, along the way. But let me get some water first because my throat is... Okay, so this is, this, is, um, this is Luke 10. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. We know this story. In fact, I've talked about this story, well, not this year, but I talked about it last year. Um, but I think it's, it's very important to us, and it's important to us to um, keep this story in front of us as we begin this new year in the direction that we, uh, that we want to go because I do think this text provides the groundwork for some of the things that we want to do throughout, uh, throughout 2018. So we'll just start reading, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit. Starting in verse 25 of chapter 10. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So, you have this, this, this Jewish lawyer who is coming to Jesus, and he's wanting to be justified. He's wanting to know the right thing to do. He wants to make sure that his life is, is right. And so he comes, and he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And, of course, Jesus asks him, well, you know, what does the law say? You know, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the Gospel of Luke. Okay, they didn't have Matthew and, and Mark, and they didn't have the epistles and John and the Revelation and all that. Those things weren't weren't written until much later. They just had the, the Hebrew Bible, the law and the, and the prophets. And so he says, well, what, what does that say? And the guy says, you know, love God with everything you've got, with your heart, with your soul, with your mind, with your strength. Oh, and, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Hunter, as he answers Jesus, you know, this is a passage we're all familiar with. There's the song, The Greatest Commands, that we, uh, that we sometimes sing. There's other songs that have these words and these phrases in it. When you hear those words, what do you think it means? I believe that the love your God with, all your, with everything that you have is, um, is that part. No matter what you're doing, God's always there. He's always in charge of it, and He always loves you more than you love Him back, but it's your job to show Him your love as much as you can. And so I think as it's, you know, it sort of hits all of these things, love God with your heart, with your soul, with your mind, with your strength, you know, all of those things. I think it, I think it envelops all of life and everything that we do and everywhere we go. And then you sort of have this little addendum here. And, and of course, when, when you read Matthew, it's Jesus that is, is quoting this. 
in Luke, it's this lawyer who is, who is saying these things. But both Jesus and the lawyer put this little addendum on the end that says, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You love yourself? I do. Yeah, I do too. You know, I mean, we, I mean, we, we, we love ourselves, right? I mean, most of us, you know, I, I love me some me. You know, right? A lot of people say that. How, how do you love yourself? What are things that you do to love Hunter Dillard? Well, uh, one example I can think of is, it's kind of a, not really a great example, but if there's a, a socket somewhere, I'm not going to go and stick my finger in it because that would hurt. So that's one way that I love myself. I love myself and not to hurt myself on purpose. So no death so, witch. That's true. So, okay, good. Very good. What are there, is there other ways that you love yourself? Uh, I take care of my body through bathing or brushing my teeth every morning and, and such, stuff like that. And we love that about you, too. It's a good choice. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, because you're, you're sort of out of this phase now, but, you know, there's, there's a certain phase that teenagers hit that, uh, whew, it can be rough. It can be rough. Uh, those early teen years, lots of deodorant uh, that does not get used. Um, but, yeah, and, and we love that. And we take care of ourselves. And uh, What else? Are there any other ways you take care of yourself? Um respecting other people that that's another way that shows that I respect myself enough to respect other people yeah, sure same way sure absolutely absolutely so when it says love your neighbor as yourself it's probably easy for most of us I mean probably most of us we love ourselves pretty well right would you say that yes sir. what about you you think that most of us do a pretty good job of Unless we just have some, unless there's just some psychological stuff going on or mental illness maybe that we're battling, most of us do a pretty good job at loving ourselves. Um, do you think we do a good job at loving others the way we love ourselves? Depends on who the person is. <laughs> oh, yes. Don't you agree with that? Because it's really easy for you to love me the way you love yourself. <laughs> Because I'm just lovable, right? We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Why, I mean, because you go with it because it's true, right? <laughs> I mean, let, so yeah, let's take me out of this because I'm not a great example. Because I'm, like I said, I'm easy to love, right? No problems there. Well, what do you mean by that? When you say it depends on who it is. By the way, I think you're right. But what do you think? What, what do you mean by that? A lot of times, and I'm not saying it's right because it's not right. We show love and the most respect to the people who respect us. And a lot of times you hear people say, I'm not going to respect that person because they didn't respect me first, such like that. So typically we wait until someone earns our respect before we respect them or love them back. Yeah. You agree with that? Mm. Is that what we're supposed to do? It's not. No. The lawyer knew what was up, or at least he had the answer. I don't, I don't think he fully understands it, otherwise we wouldn't have the rest of the story. I'm sure none of you struggle with that. I know you love everybody the way you love yourself. 
But that's a tough one for me. Okay? Amen. Yes, it's tough for me. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you're right. It is. It's tough for me. <laughs> Thanks for that affirmation. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. But what I really think you're saying is, yeah, it's tough for you too. Why is that so tough? Why is it so difficult to love people the way we love ourselves? Think maybe we're selfish a little bit? Good manners, too. Yeah, I think we're selfish. Um, I think somebody said prideful. Prideful. I think we're prideful. Yeah, prideful. I think uh, uh, sometimes we're arrogant. Uh, we just want things that we want, you know. And so it's not. And you know, people have different personalities, you know. There are people that I know, I know I rub them the wrong way. None of you. None of you. You know. I know that there are just people that I rub the wrong way. Okay? There are people that rub me the wrong way. Okay? None of you. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> because we have different personalities. And, you know, we sinful and we have our own wants and needs and desires and thoughts and all these things and you know we're not always uh, we're not always the most charitable and so I think that's why it's a struggle okay but in other places scripture talks about bearing with one another being patient with one another loving one another bearing one another's burdens and I think why we find stuff like that written is because God knew that we're different. Because he created us different. Aren't you glad he didn't make us all the same? How boring would that be? I mean, I wouldn't mind an army of people just like me. But really, I would, because I get on my own nerves sometimes, okay? Couldn't imagine 50 of me. Yeah, thanks. So loving today. But we're different, and that's great, and we celebrate our, our differences. But sometimes those differences make it difficult to love others. But yet that's what we're called to, to love others the way we love our, ourselves, okay? And to love the, love the people around us. So Jesus asks him the commands he says it, love the Lord your God with all the you know, stuff you've got. Jesus said, you were correct, do this and you will live. But then notice verse 29, it says, but wanting to justify himself, wanting to make sure he's right, okay, to make sure he's absolutely correct, and I think that's what's really maybe more important here, is that he wants to make sure he's right. He poses Jesus a very interesting question when he says, and who is my neighbor? You know, who is this person? Who do I have to love? And then it's right here that Jesus answers him, but I don't think it's quite the answer that he was looking for. Jesus replied, 
A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The one who showed him mercy, he said. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. I don't know that that's exactly what he was expecting to hear. You know? Jesus lays out this, this parable about this guy who's been, uh, he's been assaulted. He's been left on the side of the road dead. Uh, for dead, rather. Uh, you know, they've stripped him of everything. And then Jesus tells us this story. You have a priest and you have a Levite. Now, what's the significance of those guys? Here's your, here's your freshman Bible question that they'll ask you. What's significant about those guys? They're the people who should show the most love to Hey, everybody. and he passes freshman Bible. <laughs> yeah, they should be the ones doing this. Because who are they? They're men of importance in the church. Yeah, they're God's people. The priest, you know, he's a priest. One of God's ministers, a Levite, that's, you know, the priests came from the Levite, from the Levitical tribe. Uh, that's kind of the job that they had. Remember reading about Zechariah back during manger things? He was a Levite, okay? Um, you know, this was what they were supposed to do. They should have been the ones to stop, but what happened? They just kept going. They kept going. Why do you think they kept going? It kind of took the mentality most of us take today. It's not me, it's not my problem. Hmm. That's possible. That's got possibility. Have we ever thought like that? It's not me, it's not my problem. I've thought that before when I've seen somebody in need. It's not my problem. Somebody else can deal with that. You know? I mean, it's easy to think like that. Now then, two... You know, could these guys, and here's your, here's your sophomore, junior Bible. Is there some legitimacy to maybe why one of them, the priest, could have avoided him? Because if he touches this guy, what is he going to become? Unclean. So, yeah, okay, maybe he was going to perform rites at the temple. Maybe he had some sort of ministry he was going to perform. and He knew that touching this guy would have made him unclean. But we've got to keep in mind, this is a story. You know, this is a, Jesus made this up off the top of his head. Okay? So I don't think that's what is at stake here. Jesus is making a point, and so who is the third person? Who's the third character? The Samaritan. And how did the Jews think about Samaritans? They didn't get along. They didn't like them. The Jews looked at Samaritans as half-breeds. They looked down on them. They're the ones that had intermarried with people that they weren't supposed to marry, you know, and uh, they, there was this hatred between the Samaritans and the, 
and the Jews, to where the Jews would walk around Samaria, not to have to go through Samaria. And sometimes they referred to them as dogs and you know, didn't want to eat their food and didn't want to be associated with them and, and all of this stuff. And so Jesus says, well, then there's a Samaritan. And you can imagine, probably, that to the Jewish mind, the Jewish audience hearing this, when he hears the word Samaritan, they may assume they know what Jesus is going to say because they have an assumption in their mind about somebody. But we don't ever make assumptions about people, do we? Do we? No, we'd never do that, would we? We don't assume because that makes us something pretty bad, right? We just, we, 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 do, we give people benefit of the doubt. No, sometimes we do, but sometimes we just assume. I assume based on my experience or my prejudice or my own whatever that somebody else may be a certain way. Okay? Don't you do that too? We do. And so it's easy to think about the Jewish audience and especially this, this lawyer, this scribe who studies the word as... When he hears Samaritan, he's thinking, okay, I know where this is going. This is, he's really, this is to be bad. He's going to come along and finish the guy off. But what does he say the Samaritan did for him? Samaritan took care of him, took him back to the inn, and even paid for him to stay in the inn and paid for anything that he needed. You think, do we take care of ourselves? Yes, sir. We dress ourselves? Yes, sir. Feed ourselves? Yes, sir. Uh, we take care, most of us take care of basic hygiene, right? Like you yes, said. sir. This guy is doing that and more. You know? Put him on his own animal. Took him to an end, put him up, and said, whatever else you spend, put it on my tab, I'll take care of it. When I, when I come back through, and then Jesus nails him with a question. You know, and that, you, you know, you ever had a problem with Jesus? You know, you come to Jesus with a question, you're trying to trap him with something, you're trying to gotcha Jesus. You ever notice that doesn't ever work out real well? Somebody come to Jesus with a question, and nine times out of ten, what does he do? How does he answer them? With a question. And that's what he does here. He flips the script on on this, this lawyer. Read it again. What, uh, and you can just look right here on mine if you want to. It's underlined right there. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the guy says, the one who showed mercy to him. And then Jesus says, go and do the same. Go and do the same. Like I said, I don't think this is the answer that this guy was looking for when he came to Jesus and said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You see, I think Jesus reframes his question. In the kingdom, we don't get to ask, who must I show love to? You know, that's a, that's a limiting question, right? What's the limit of people that I have to show love to? You know? That's saying that I've got a certain amount of love that I'm willing to extend. So where is that barrier? Where is the, 
Where is this stopping point? Instead, it's recognizing who are all my neighbors. And it's everybody around me. Okay? Everybody we come in contact with are our neighbors, right? The the no, again, this is a this is a story that Jesus gives us, so I think we can play with it a little bit. But Jesus doesn't say that these guys know each other. In fact, <clears throat> we can I think we can argue that the Samaritan is least likely to know any of these people. It doesn't say that he helped because he knew these people. He's just a Samaritan. He saw somebody and he helped. You know, as a matter of fact, it says a man was going down the road. It was like this stranger going down the road and he's beaten and the guy just, he responds. So the question is to us is, is, is the same that this guy asked, who is my neighbor? And it's everybody we come in contact with. So give Hunter a hand for helping me out. Thank you, Hunter. And so it got me thinking, especially as we think about community and, and, and some of these other things, the question is, who is my neighbor? Are the people that make up Cornerstone our neighbors? Yes or no? Absolutely. They're our neighbors. These, this is the, uh, the prayer vigil that gathered uh, on Magnolia Street after the, uh, the, the shooting that took place during the summer. Uh, are these our neighbors? Now then, I was, I was there, you know, I took that picture. I knew like five people there, okay? But there was hundreds of people gathered there. Are those our neighbors? Even if we don't know them? Yeah. What about the TU students that we serve? Now then, I know a lot of them, but you don't know most of them. Uh, I don't know all of them. I just know the ones that I, that, that I interact with. Are, are TU and, and those people, are they our neighbors? Yeah, now then, I don't have pictures from Vashti because we, you know, we can't take pictures there. But when we go serve at, at, at Vashti, are those uh, residents and uh, staff, are those our neighbors? Yeah. Uh, what about our friends at, at Providence? Are those our, our neighbors? Yeah. And, and it's, just, it's not just limited to these. I mean, this is the people I had pictures for. You know, It's not just limited there, but those are our neighbors, right? But it's, it's more than that. Your neighbors are also, um, and, and let, me, let, me, let me draw this back in to kind of the Samaritan. These are not our only neighbors. Let me, let me do it that way. Does that make sense? Cornerstone is not our only neighbors, okay? And that goes back to the commit to the sea, the commitment one, or the community one, okay? We want to commit to not just the community within Cornerstone, we want to commit to the community without, you know, outside of Cornerstone as well. And we do a pretty good job of that. But, you know, we go to Vashti, we go to Providence, we do some of these other things. Those are not our only neighbors, right? But it's easy to sort of get those blinders on, right? That that's our neighbors. When, when you look around, you know, there's, how many, how many neighborhoods surround this building within a mile? Have you ever thought about that? There's one right there. There's the Brookwood neighborhood. There's the uh, Acacia, is that kind of what that's called, plantation, whatever? 
neighborhood. There's houses directly across the street from us. Um, so, you know, there's, I mean, just within a mile of us, there's, there's community all around us. There's neighbors uh, all around us. And so, you know, one of the things that I want us to do as we think about this idea of, of um, loving God with everything we have and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And we talk about community and commitment and celebrating what God has done, all that. I want us to be more aware of who our neighbors are. Does that make sense? I think that's important for us, for, for us as a church to recognize people, you know. Um, it's easy to just say, well, you know, that group of people, that's not our problem. You know, that neighborhood's on that side of town, that's not our problem. But the people that we come in contact with, everybody we come in contact with, is, is our neighbor. And so, you know, Jesus says, you know, who's your neighbor? Who was the one that, you know, proved to be the neighbor, the one who went and showed mercy? You know, our point of view in the story is that most of us are the beaten up guy left for dead. Right? For the most part, that's our point of view. We are the one in need of God. We're the one in need of the neighbor. We're the one in need to show mercy. At the same time, we can come at it from another angle. Our point of view can also be the good Samaritan, the one who recognized, I don't know who this guy is from Adam, but it's somebody in need, and that's my neighbor. Okay? Now, what we don't want to be, and, and this, I'm guilty of this, our point of view can also be that of the lawyer. Of who? What's the limit? I want to make sure I'm right. So give me the number. You know, uh, who who is it that I have to love to make sure that I'm right, so I can get my eternal life? Oh, Jesus is is it's not about that. It's just it's about the one who loved when love was needed. You know, um, I gave you this term back during the summer. Um, and the term is neighboring. I've used it a good bit today. I've used it before. A group out of Atlanta called Focus Community Strategies, they have this definition for this word neighboring. And they say it's this, that neighboring is valuing local living, believing proximity and diversity allow for mutually transformative relationships. You know, that, that's what, what neighboring is. Now, most of us have neighbors, right? I'm talking about the people that like live right immediately around you. Most of us have neighbors. Would you say that you know your neighbors pretty good all around you? Let me ask another question. Do you feel like you knew your neighbors better when you were a kid? Who would say yes, that you knew your neighbors better when you were a kid? Why is that? What? What? More time? Okay, why else? No fears? Why else? What, what was that one over here? On your bicycle playing together. I knew all my neighbors. Yeah. 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 We just spent time together. You know? But... Do we spend as much time now being neighbors? 
I don't even know that our kids spend as much time being neighbors as, as we spend. You know, we live in a busier world. We've already talked about this. It's fast-paced. We have technology. You know, we have technology that's designed to bring us closer together, and it seems like a lot of times it just brought us, it just pulled us further and further apart. You know what I'm saying? Where now the, uh, the virtual relationship is valued more than the actual relationship. You know what I'm saying? And just something just doesn't seem right about that. Now, for sometimes it's great when we go off to, to, um, uh, to you know, on a trip or school or somebody moves away or when you go off to train, you know, to be able to have those touches through technology, that's great. And to be able to communicate with each other, okay, those things are helpful, but we cannot let that we can't let the virtual replace the actual. Does that make sense? Does that make sense, what I'm saying? We have to, we need actual relationships. And so I, I think that's what Tommy is talking about. He didn't say it in, in so many words, but I think that's what the, the point he's trying to make about us spending time around tables more this year. It's so that we can just spend time together getting to know one another. Loving each other more, but not just, remember, it's not just, this isn't just our neighborhood here. You're not my only neighbors. I have other neighbors. And so we're going to ask you to consider stepping out and doing something radical like having your actual neighbors over for a meal. You know? Do you, do you remember neighborhood cookouts? Remember who's, who, who, who remembers those? Who's been to one recently? Who, recently been to one? One person out of all of us has been to a, like a neighborhood barbecue recently. I remember those as kids. You know, I, I remember. <laughs> you'll, you'll be able to relate to this too. How many of you uh, often ate at your neighbor's house? Or your friends ate at your house. And your parents were like, you staying tonight? You know? I assume you're eating with us. You're here all the time. I assume you're eating with us tonight. You know? It's just, you know, that's kind of the way things were as a kid. That's what I remember. And I remember sometimes my parents said, look, you've been here for days. You need to go to your family and let them know you're alive. You know, I remember, <laughs> I remember that happening one time. I remember one of my friends, his parents didn't know where, his, where he was. He called my mom. She called, is, is, is Shane there? Is he at your house? And my mom said, I don't know. She went down to the basement. There he was. You know, he was just, he was at my, he was hanging out with me. But it's, you know, it's, we have to value relationships more. And so we're going we're gonna to provide opportunities for that. We're going to eat together more as a group. We're even going to worship around tables sometimes, okay? Where we have tables set up and we have worship. And communion will just be right there at your table, with your table. And, you know, I'm going to encourage us too that when we have our fellowship meals, don't sit with the same group you always sit with, right? Because it's easy to do that, right? I mean, we can get clickish even in a bunch like this, right? Sit with somebody else. You might even try that on a Sunday morning when, you know, chairs are like this. Just sit with somebody you might not normally sit with. That's what we want to do. 
So those are the things that we're, we're talking about. So if I was going to, to, to make a point this morning, it's just, it's, it's really, it's, it's this. Love God with everything that you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, love God and love people. Now, that sounds really easy, but it's not. We know it's not. We've talked about reasons why, why it's not. But if we could just do that, what kind of difference might that make for us throughout the year? So, does that sound doable? Okay, good. That's where we're headed. Let's pray together.